no, we, you know, I mean, we, we just, we, the bears are what we thought they were. They're what we thought they were. Say that one more time, play. One more time. One more time. Bear Essentials Podcast is sponsored by Kins Lager Brewery, located in Oak Park, Illinois. They're a local lager-focused brewery. The tap room is currently closed, but you can still order online for local delivery or curbside pickup. The Bear Essentials Podcast listeners will receive a 15% discount on your order by using promo code BEARSPOD. Please visit them at kinslager.com. That's spelled K-I-N-S-L-A-H-G-E-R.com. On episode number two, we will discuss the best and worst Bears quarterbacks in our lifetime and much more. Man, A-Dub, how you doing, brother? I'm doing well, man. Talking about the history of the Bears quarterbacks, man, it makes me want to open up a Sunday morning beer, and I'm telling you, it's probably early, (laughs) but man, I'm going to do it regardless, man. I'm going to sip on the Chicago Common uh, from Kinslager Brewery, but bro. It was a lot um, I'm thinking about this week. Uh, it was a lot to unpack uh, with training camp um, and a lot of stuff that was going on. What what stood out to you from this past week, man, with the Bears and, and, and kind of getting geared up for the season here? Let me go ahead and crack up with me a beer as well, man. It's King Lager. Um, I love this um, Prohibit Pilsner style, so crack mine open as well. Man, to your point, that was a lot that went on um, this week. And uh, with the Bears, and I can pinpoint several different things, um, battles that went on that's going on right now. And the one battle that I'm looking at right now is just looking at our wide receivers as a standout. You heard about the 173rd pick in the fifth round of the 2020 draft. His name is um, Darnell Mooney. I think you may have heard about him. But, From Tulane, um, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah and um, yeah. he's been doing pretty good. Um, they've been talking about him as being a speedy receiver. They've been putting him in different spots out there and seeing how much he can handle. He's soaking up a lot of information right now. And so far, he's picking up his assignments in the Bears' offense. So Nagy likes his demeanor in the meetings. Matter of fact, he compared him to Allen Robinson. So that's all good kudos just to hearing that about him. So looking forward to seeing how he could seem to progress because he can end up being one of our weapons down the road. One thing, too, that I like about uh, that kid is he's got speed, man. He could take the top off of the defense. And uh, you remember last year when we had uh, Taylor Gabriel, and that was kind of the role that we saw from Taylor However, I didn't see that translate to the field as much with Taylor Gabriel. So I hope that this uh, Darnell kid can come in and and basically give us that over-the-top threat that the offense lacks. So that's a good call-out. One thing I want to call out as well, man, that you may have heard too, is that um, what Allen Robinson have done with these guys, um, the wideouts, he pretty much took them to his home, actually got a chance to work out with those guys in Tampa over over the offseason. So just seeing that that part may have gotten these guys off to a good start, but I'm hoping to see Darnell show some good signs for us and help us out. What are you uh, seeing? I would say for me, and this is somebody that I was uh, on record uh, in our first episode of kind of calling out a little bit was Jimmy Graham. But, man, I heard that that tight end uh, position group really stepped it up this past week. I heard that Jimmy Graham, they couldn't do anything with him in those one-on-one scenarios. And he was getting those jump balls, and he was just like mossing people out there, man. That was pretty impressive to hear. I will say this. I'm still on the fence with Jimmy, but I really hope. (laughs) (laughs) 
But, but bro, I hope he, he proves me wrong, man, because at the end of the day, if he proves me wrong, then that means we're going to get 10 touchdowns out of that tight end uh, position uh, this season. Because from what I heard what he's doing in camp, he was raising that level of competition up because when I went to training camp last year, the defense was a little sudden, the offense. And so it looks like he's trying to bring some of that energy to that offensive group. So that was something that I thought was really good to hear. Yeah, let me jump on that bandwagon right there. I've been hearing some similar things too. And one thing I've, I've read around um, Gibson, our safety, he pretty much stated that this group here has been pretty tough to um, go against this year. He said last year, you know, things seem to be a, a piece of cake. I'm paraphrasing him. And, but this year round, um, this tight end group, it's tough. So it's not an easy battle anymore out there. So you hear those kudos from him says a lot. So I'm hoping that these guys continue to so, show some signs. And you, you're right. When the season comes up, I know you won big on Jimmy Graham. But he may be to help us out um, down the road with that. So I am looking at those two guys, Cole and Jimmy Graham. Both of them have been doing pretty good so far in practice. So I hope that can carry over to the field. You know, that's a good call out with Cole Komet because that was also another name that the coaching staff spoke up about a lot this week. They mentioned that Cole has picked up that playbook pretty uh, pretty quickly, and they say he's actually ahead of schedule. So when you hear that for a rookie that didn't have OTAs, that didn't have a lot of the organized team events, and the fact that he was in that playbook on his own, it goes to show you that, man, that kid's ready to roll. Yeah, and what Coach Pagano has said about him, Coach Pagano said, hey, this kid is going to be a phenomenal football player in this league. Gibson already calling him a star right now, so he's going to be a star in this league. So we've been getting some good feedback on him so far, and I hope that continues. It's funny because Gibson wasn't on the team last year, but however, I'm sure from afar, he probably looked at it and saw, man, this offense for the Bears, and especially that tight end position was kind of sad. So he's probably seeing a whole different vibe with that team this year. So, so far, so good, man. I'm really liking to see what's going on with that tight end group. Uh, Cole and Graham are probably at the top of the position group there. What's another position that kind of caught your eye from the week in the, in the way of position battle? Yeah, another group that I would say has been catching my eye, really. I, let's focus a little bit on this right guard type, right guard situation. I know we talked about this briefly on our first episode, but I want to talk about Jermaine. We have Alex Bars. We have Rashad Coward. It's been a battle going on with those guys. It looks like Jermaine and Rashad are pretty much battling for that right guard spot. But what I've been hearing right now is that Jermaine has been a front runner. Yes. He's been the guy that's taken over. Um, offensive line coach Juan Castillo like his work ethic. It's already working very well with the like the fact that how he's working with the starters. So it's been a lot of good things we've been hearing about Jermaine. So realistically, the jobs between two people right now. Uh, I feel bad looking for Alex Bars, but it looks like the jobs between Jermaine and Rashad right now. And it seems like again, Jermaine is the one's taking over that position right now. Yeah, and I will say this, too. Uh, I've heard a lot about uh, some of those one-on-one battles that Afedi and Hakeem Hicks were having with each other, and they said that uh, mm-hmm. in the one-on-one drills that Hakeem Hicks was basically, like, you know, letting them know what time it was out there. But they said that in some of the other team drills that Afedi was holding his own. So I do think in, in that sense, I think Afedi probably does have the lead in that position battle. Uh, mm-hmm. Rashad Coward, he's solid, man. And, and my thing is, even if he ends up being a backup, he's someone that I can trust if maybe somebody gets hurt during the course of the season. And Alex Bars, he might end up being on the practice squad. But, you know, he's a solid Yeah, That happens, you know, like you said with Rashad Coward. One thing about him is that he only had four penalties last year. So that's a good that's a good sign uh, in itself. So either way, when these two guys get the job, I would say both of them done well with earning it. 
I was going to say the position group for me that I've been paying a little attention to has been that defensive back uh, position group. So we saw that Artie Burns, uh, he tore his ACL this week. Yeah, yeah. It's tough to see. And the one thing, too, is he was actually taking first-team reps. And when so when he went down, it's kind of like made that room, you know, we, get, we need Jalen Johnson to step up because at this point they were bringing him along really uh, slowly. He was limited because he had the shoulder injury from the offseason. And right now Kevin Tolliver is taking those first-team reps. And Kevin Tolliver, I think he gets slept on a little bit because this guy, he was at LSU. He was one of the top high school players in the country when he went to LSU. The kid mm-hmm. has talent. He just hasn't put it all together in the league yet. But that right there, A-Dub, that's the position battle that I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to. What, what have you been seeing or what have you been thinking about that one? Oh, man, that is a good one there because the one thing that I, t- I mentioned last on our first episode was around, at least regarding Jalen Johnson that I may have mentioned, is around him getting that playing time on the field. Now, that's a kid we looking to do some things for us. But you're right. Kevin Tolliver has taken Pagano's feedback of what he needs to work on during the offseason. And some of the things he came back with this coming year and what's being praised for is his footwork, his change of direction, all those things right there, his mental stability, those things right there has been positive that what Pagano was sharing about him. But again, Jalen Johnson had a great career in college. Haven't seen much of him with this group, right? So I want to see him playing with the team first before I can give my um, thoughts on him. Yeah, man, I, I think uh, when it all comes down to it, Jalen Johnson will probably end up getting that starting job, probably not to start the season. Uh, I think you have to go with Tolliver maybe to start mm-hmm. the season just because there's no preseason games they dub. Right, but, right, exactly. But I think at the end of the day, you're right. Jalen Johnson shown in the, in the college that he was a, a ball hawk. And so I think that adding him to the mix with a Kyle Fuller on the opposite side, I think that will be a nice addition to our defense. But, I mean, we'll Absolutely. see. Absolutely. <laughs> both of them going to play, though. So it's one they will say. they both going to get their chances. Yep. And any other position battles that caught your eye? Yeah, let's go look at this running back position a little bit. I, I think we didn't talk much about this. I think we talked about a little bit of this running back position in our last episode. Um, but one thing about the running back position, it looks like we got our guys, but we actually put Patterson back there now. So I'm not sure how this is all going to work out. We know Tariq Cohen. We have Montgomery back there. But I think with having Patterson back there, because he actually does some good things for us when he got a chance to run. So seeing him get more action in the backfield versus at the wide receiver position, I think this may do dividends for him because he's a big guy. He's not a small guy. He can run. He can pick up speed. He's a guy who can catch a ball right like a kickoff returner and just run. So yeah. put him in these kind of schemes to do that. I think we'll be fine with him. So we have a three-headed monster going through if they all can pan out. I'll tell you one thing, too, and to your point, on the last episode, you brought up the fact with Tariq Cohen, right? And me and you both said Tariq Cohen is probably more of a Swiss Army knife than basically a legit like running back. So I think adding Cordell Patterson to this running back room is an intriguing move. And also, he's really dangerous to ball in his hands. So I really liked what they're doing with that. And I think that he could probably be more of a compliment to David Montgomery than probably Tariq Cohen, in my opinion, at least. No, I agree with you. So I think that's going to be nice to see, man. Nice to see. Also, do you think that uh, this is gamesmanship on the part of, of uh, Nagy, or do you think that this is a legit thing that we may see uh, over the course of the season with Cordell Patterson getting run, uh, plays at the, the running back position? I think that is legit. I can say with Nagy and his schemes, it's legit. Here's why I want to say that, because I think um, Patterson got some chances, I think, with New England to do the same thing. Yes, he so did. So I think this is a legit thing with them. This is not just something we're making up or just a tryout. I think this fits parts of the scheme. You have three guys that can do, can run 
differently, right? Because I will say Patterson runs a little different from Montgomery. Tariq Cohen does a little bit different from those guys. So we got three different options of how these guys run. And I think with that, he fits into the scheme. So I, I like, I'm like what I'm seeing right now for Nagy around that. And I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that um, more plays being run for all three of those guys this coming season. So I think this is going to help us out with making our schemes um, more effective. It's very good point. And also, too, uh, audience, uh, think about Patterson. He has a 7.1 uh, yards per carry uh, average for his career. Um, so that just gives you a little bit of insight of when that guy has the ball in his hands, he can make plays. So I would love to see what type of plays they draw up for this guy. And I mean, like you mentioned, uh, a dub, he's six, four, about 230 pounds. Yeah. And big guy. <laughs> he's yeah, a big, big dude <laughs> and he can fly, you know, so <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. I'm looking uh, forward to that. For sure. The last battle I want to get into is man, this safety position, man. I think a Whoa. lot of, <laughs> Dude, remember when um, when Deion Bush re-signed with the team and basically everybody thought that he was going to basically have the starting job. Then right. we went out and got Gibson uh, from the Texans. Right. And, and then it didn't seem like once we signed him, people automatically assumed, oh, this is going to be Gibson's job. But I would say after week one, from what I'm hearing from Kemp, Deion Bush is like, uh-uh, you're going to have to work to get this position. What, what you been seeing with that one? Man, what I've been hearing about these two guys, they've been going at it in a positive way. Um, they both take uh, – Tashawn Gibson feels he has another chance at being a starter. Um, Deion Bush, like, hey, it's not going to be an easy, um, easy battle for you to, to get. It's not going to be easy for that standpoint. This competition with those two guys is heating up better. It's, it's heating up. I mean, we're going to hear more about these two guys um, as the season go along, as we continue doing the training. The training is going on right now. I think these two dudes – no one is above the other right now. This is neck and neck with what yes. I'm hearing right now. Yes. So this competition with these two guys is going to go on to the last minute. I think so, too. And if, you, if, if Deion Bush and the way that he basically challenged Jimmy Graham this week, because I heard those two got into a little bit of a, a little training camp fight with each other. Right. Uh, De, I think Deion Bush took exception to Jimmy Graham because Jimmy Graham was out there. Uh, he was out there mossing those dudes. And Deion Bush probably had to remind him, like, hey, man, we still a bad defense, so we don't like all this that you're doing out here. So a lot of the players on the team, they they kind of like, I think, the fact that Deion Bush kind of like stepped up in that moment and was just like, hey, okay, knock it off. That's enough. <laughs> exactly, exactly. One thing I'll say about Gibson, he knows, you know, um, he has a lot of work to do. I know he was a pro bowler in 2014. He's aware of that. But, you know, those, that was 2014. This is 2020. So he has to earn that job if he wants to get it. I'll tell you one thing, one thing you and I both know, Deion Bush is not going to give the job away. No, sir. John Gibson's going to have to earn it. And Eddie Jackson's even gone on record this week of just saying that he's seeing more of a playmaking side of, out of Deion Bush. And he just said, hey, look, he said, I've been here for a couple of years and I've watched this kid. And he said, he's really locked in. So when you hear that from Bojack, that definitely lets you know where Deion Bush stands as far as his competition. So I'm very excited to see how that one plays out. Absolutely. And for those of you who don't know Deion Bush, he was drafted in the fourth round, number 124th overall by the Bears in 2016. So it's good to see this guy coming along right now and um, hopefully in contention for that, for that spot. 
Yeah, that's another one of Ryan Pace's uh, good draft picks in those middle rounds. He, he sure knows how to find those little good players in those middle rounds. I wish he, like I said in the first episode, I just wish he could do that in the first round, brother. <laughs> you know what? Uh, we'll, we'll get the pace up at some other time. We're going to get yeah. Pace break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of went in on him last episode. <laughs> well, man, well, speaking of Ryan Pace, just I got I got to do it. You know, we got this quarterback competition, uh, A-Dub. What, what what were your thoughts on that as you looked at the week and how it played out? From the week, how it looked how it's played out right now, I will say the slight edge has gone to who? Guess who? Guess who? Mr. Trubisky. Biscuit. The edge is going to him, and I will look at the fact on the one on the seven oh seven drills. You've been hearing about um, how Nagy really been focused on that part with these guys on their improvement with accuracy and doing that one on one drill. Looks like True had the better advantage. It looks like. Um, Nick Foles were trying to go downfield more so and take some risk, something that maybe Trubisky didn't take more of. But with that, so far, how things have been looking, people are saying that uh, Trubisky is locked in this year. He's ready. The look in his eyes. You know, people can see a different different demeanor with him this year versus last year. Well, I'll tell you this, A-Dub. We, we kind of heard a little bit of that last year. Everybody was talking about his demeanor and how he was locked in and how he was working hard. And then what happened? You know, we had the eight-day season, and then we basically had Nagy come out and admit that the guy couldn't read defenses, right? So right. For, for me, when I look at this competition, I, w- I basically told you on the last episode, I thought Nick Foles, while he's a solid guy and he's a good team uh, guy and a good locker room guy, I was thinking – this guy doesn't necessarily put all that much fire on the Mitch a little bit, but not like a Cam Newton type of signing would have done. However, we know right. the, the Cam Newton signing wouldn't have been a good signing in this basically pandemic COVID type of you know reality of with no preseason games and whatnot. But the thing that I look at with this competition is I see that neither one of these guys, in my opinion, has done anything to really take the job. But I right. do I agree. I, yeah, but I do agree with you. I think Mitch has the lead right now. I heard that Nick Foles started off the week basically with the advantage, but through the through the week they said that Mitch is uh he basically picked it up and he basically only had one kind of hiccup in practice. I heard that there was like a a goal line situation where instead of throwing the ball away, he ran out of bounds and lost a couple yeah. of yards. He's going he to get better with that for sure. You know, I think you and I know this part from the all season last well, from last year. He made a lot of mental errors around that. Yep. and I think with this being a focal point. This year, in practice at that, and now we have both of them competing with he, – he competing with Nick Foles. This helps him get his stuff together right now. We need to fix these right now. We're not going to go into the season with these same mental lapses. Exactly, right, because we saw him do that in games last season where we were like, why are you running out of bounds, man? <laughs> what are right. you doing? <laughs> Here's what I like this year, though, and what I've been hearing, is that Nagy is being upfront with both quarterbacks. He's being upfront, letting you know what you're doing well, what you're doing wrong. Nagy's not playing any games. Um, he has a criteria, what I've been hearing. There's a, a criteria for what they're looking for uh, with the quarterback. They're looking for their timing correct, their decision correctly based on what the plays are asking them to do. They're looking at that. And they're also looking at, you know, um, how accurate they are with the football. So they're really taking note on how these guys are performing day-to-day. They're both splitting time frames with the first and second unit offense. So there is no issues with, you know, whoever wins the battle here. They're really going to make it fair. Yeah, and it seems, too, to your point that everything's been transparent. Like, these guys know where they stand. Uh, they've been, they're being evaluated equally. Um, and also, too, one of the things that I liked is the fact that even on plays where maybe the receiver may drop the ball or the play breaks down, they're still evaluated, hey, did that quarterback make the correct read? 
you know, right. kind of how, how was the footwork? I think those are important things as well. Absolutely. Those are the mechanics, right? Are you being mechanical about what you're doing, decision-making? All these things come to play at the, at the, at the football, at the, the quarterback position. So you got to be very, very cerebral about what you're doing out there. And I think Nagy and um, coach, um, the, uh, <clears throat> the quarterback coach, they're oh, talking about laser. Yep. Yeah, laser. yeah. They're taking a look at this, man. And they got their eyes on both guys to the very small details of things, which is what I like. Yeah, I mean, that type of stuff is important because what, what we look at with this quarterback position, we know what this quarterback's uh, history is in Chicago. And we're going to get into that later in this episode. But in this situation, this season is going to be very important for us to get a guy back there that not only can make plays, but somebody is going to make the right decisions back there. Knowing when to throw the ball away, knowing when not to take a sack, right? Because uh, when you look at some of the top quarterbacks in the league, they don't shoot themselves in the foot by losing 10 yards, right? So one of the things that we saw with our quarterbacks last year is taking sacks and, and basically making boneheaded plays. And that's what we need somebody that's going to be able to come in here this season, get the ball into our playmakers' hands, run the football effectively, and let our defense do what our defense does. <laughs> you know, and that's just basically like take over the games. And so um, – Absolutely. And I like John, you know, um, John, our new um, quarterback coach. He's really getting involved in all this, man. Uh, I'll give John some props here. He's in the day-to-day, and if he's saying that he's liking what he's saying for true right now, I can respect his uh, perspective on that. I just hope it all carries over to the field. Well, also, too, because you bring up that point with him, and I also heard that he's been very brutal with those guys in the quarterback room uh, because they said that during the week that Nick Foles, you know, had basically has thrown some bad passes where they should have been picked off, but the defenders, you know, dropped the interception, and he actually threw the first camp interception yesterday. So I heard that uh, Filippo was basically very critical of Nick Foles and the mistakes that he's made in the offense. And, you know, we both talked about in our first episode how Nick Foles knows the offense. So, I mean, even a guy like this, a veteran, he's not even off limits for the criticism. <laughs> right, exactly. So I like what I'm seeing from our coachings, from John, from um, Bill Lazor, and Nagy. These guys are on these guys. And I think, you know, next season, this coming season, I'm sorry, could be totally different from last year because now we're holding everyone accountable to the expectation. Yeah, I mean, we, we have to because we, we – this this is a, a make or break season, man. We we got no more time. You we can't continue to, to uh, lose years of a uh, Khalil Max uh, prime, right? So this is this is it. And speaking of him, man, I was looking at him in, in some videos online. That dude is joked, bro. He looked like he was just man tearing up the weight room, training like crazy. So that's a guy I think is gonna come in here and be super motivated, you know, going to this season. Hey, I agree with you on that. Khalil Mack wasn't happy about that eight to eight season. He has a lot to prove. He thinks his defense has a lot to prove, and he's taking this year serious. I understand it's a COVID year, but he's taking this year serious. And um, like you said, we cannot waste his years. No, not at all. Not at all. And, I mean, even one thing, too, one of the biggest takeaways that came out of camp this last week is that defense is still very, very good <laughs> because that defense was still giving that offense uh, fits. Um, and they said that Hakeem Hicks was just bullying people out there. So, I mean, uh, we even brought that up last week. The return of a healthy Hakeem Hicks, they basically – we saw he was the heart and soul of that defense. And so having that guy back out there, man, I, the sky's the limit for that defense. I just We just need the offense in that quarterback position to get shored up so that way we can see what we got uh, for the 2020 season. Yeah, speaking of the offense, you're right. We know we talked about the quarterback position, but that's something we're going to continue talking about now. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to go into the history. 
Oh, man, we, we got to go into this history, man. So on this episode, uh, Bears fans, listeners, audience, man, me and A-Dub, we, we, this week we sat down, we put together our, our list of our best Bears quarterbacks. And honestly, that's probably kind of funny for a lot of you guys to hear that just because of the history of that quarterback position. But we still nevertheless wanted to kind of talk back the history of some of the quarterbacks that we actually thought were decent for the Bears. So I'm going to kick it over to my, uh, my boy A-Dub. For your number five uh, quarterback, who'd you have? Man, this is a tough one for me because you know our Bears, our history, right? And and in my lifetime, I'm looking at it, really at my lifetime. So no offense to any of our fans who are out there watching or listening um, to us today. I'm looking at my lifetime here, and it's been, it was a tough, hard go around to choose my top five around this. But I decided to go with my five here, and the fifth person I decided to, to pick on my fifth list is Rex Grossman. Oh, Rex is our quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Lovey Smith. I mean, Lovey, Lovey, um, Lovey, Lovey almost caused me to have a heart attack, man. And I know I'm young, <laughs> but um, with Lovey, it was always, you know, it was always something with uh, Rex Grossman. Is he going to be our starter? That's where we want to come with every day um, at, at, the, at the press conference, you know, post-game interviews. It was always who's going to be our next quarterback. And I'm picking Rex because he was the guy who were there that led us to the Super Bowl. I know our defense was like, you know, the front runner, our defense, they're the ones, they're the best of the, of the two groups. They were great. Erlacher led a great team, great group of guys. Um, we were great defensively. And Rex Grossman was our quarterback during that year. So he was our first round draft pick coming out of, you know, um, University of Florida. He was, our, he was the first round of 2003 for us. He has, of course, some, some learnings to go through throughout the process. But with that year he had with us, that was an excellent year for overall for the team. I understand we lost to the Colts in that um, Super Bowl. And I blame Lovey, part of that too. I blame Lovey. It wasn't just uh, Rex Grossman who I blame for throwing that interception. Oh, that my to, God. Um, pick six. But I do blame oh. Lovey because, you know what, we played tentative in that, in that series. And we could have kept the pressure going on Peyton Manning because Peyton Manning did not have a great game. He had he a good not. game, but it wasn't he a great one. No, that was that was a very he he was like a game manager in that game, man. Exactly, and we played into it. We played into it. Uh, I understand that Rex didn't look great. Matter of fact, Rex didn't look great the entire season, really. But he had some good games. He you know what? Games. Ain't up. He had like a three or four game stretch where they were calling him an MVP candidate. But you're right. For the most part, that season he was kind of average. Exactly. But the fact is, he was our guy in that role. He took us there, and again, we've only been to what. Since what 85, two Super Bowls, right? We've gone to so yeah. he has been in one of them, right? He has been, been in one of them, so <laughs> I'm gonna give that some, I'm gonna give that some kudos. His record as a Bears quarterback is 19 and 12, not outstanding, but it's okay. He has some time there uh, in that role, been with the team from 2003 to 2008. So, with that, he has some, I will say, some tenure with us. And you know, with our quarterback position. It's not a lot of tenure there, you, you think about it. So um, <laughs> I will give him that, you know. Um, but that year, 13-3 and three behind a strong defense, um, he got us there. And he even outplayed um, Seattle Seahawks, Matt Hassel back that game to where we won 27-24. I give Robbie Gold a lot of credit for that win. Oh, yes. <laughs> he had some big field goals. But I got to say, Rex was the guy that, that, that actually led, that led us to that, too. He was part of that team. So I'm going to give him some kudos because he didn't really – well, he ruined it in the, in, the, in the finals, right? He ruined it in the Super Bowl, but he didn't yeah. ruin it basically for us the entire season, for the, for the most of the season. 
this is this is what I'm going to tell you, man. You know that I was at that game, and I'm going to tell you that Rex, he ripped my heart out of my chest. Um, when he threw that pass and Kelvin Hayden ran it back for the pick six, I feel like every part of my being just, like, left my body. I was so pissed off, uh, A-Dub. I'm like, you had Thomas Jones in that game, and I know you remember that game. Thomas Jones was cooking. I'm like, why did we not give him the ball? <laughs> I don't understand that. I don't understand it either. And that was a bad call on the organization. I mean, they – you know, that's why I'm also blaming part of Lovey Smith for this too, because I'm like, man, we, we didn't do a good job with it. We really didn't. And I'll tell you right now, Rex was neutralized pretty much the entire game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And also, Musa Muhammad wasn't getting open either, but that's a story for another day. Another day. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear your five, man. Who's your five? So my number five, man, is uh, my boy Kyle Orton out of Purdue, man. Kyle Orton, man, I, I really loved him uh, and the fact that I always thought between him and Rex, I always thought that Kyle was probably the better quarterback. I think Rex had the stronger arm. But the, right. thing, that I, the thing that I liked about Kyle, though, was Kyle – knew that they had a, a, a really good defense, and he basically played to that strength, meaning he wasn't going to lose the game for the team. He wasn't going to throw the ball away. He wasn't going to make the costly turnover. So the thing with Kyle Orton that I really just loved is the fact that even his teammates loved him. Like Brian Ur- Erlacher referred to Orton as his favorite Bears quarterback. I mean, and, you know, so he yeah, you know, the thing with Kyle Orton, I'm going to push back a little bit on you on this Okay, okay. Um, I, I like Kyle Orton, I do. But the thing is, he didn't stand out. You're right. He was a guy that did his job. For some reason, when Rex Grossman looked good, he looked great. When he looked bad, he looked terrible, right? He looked atrocious. Right, Kyle right. Orton was like somewhere like, okay, he's not going to be – there's no another level to him. No, it, this. <laughs> yeah. that. But you know what? You're right. He wasn't going to give you anything extra, but he wasn't going to lose you the game either. <laughs> right. Exactly, exactly. So I, I struggled with him, you know, a little bit around that part. But I get your perspective of him. I like yeah. Kyle Orton. Um, I thought he was pretty good, um, you know, for us. I thought he had a good, you know, he wasn't, like I said, he wasn't a great one of those top five quarterbacks. But the thing, like you said, he didn't lose the job. He didn't lose the games for us. Yeah, and I, I just feel like for me personally, I just think that he didn't always get the chance that he deserved. Because I look at it, in the two years he had as a starter, he only lost six games. Um, yeah. And, and he was 10-5 and five as, a, as, a, as a rookie in 2005. I mean, that's basically coming in straight out of college, you know, and basically coming in and winning 10 ball games. So I always thought that that was respectable. Now, you're right. He didn't have, like, the, the arm strip of a Rex Grossman, right? And he didn't have, like, those crazy intangibles that you want in a franchise quarterback. But what I think is when you look at that defense back then, that was a top five, top ten defense. And Kyle Orton basically managed the game, and we got a lot of those wins out. And he, like I said, he had the respect of his teammates. He did. Um, also, too, think about it from this standpoint. He had limited resources around him. That receiving core was not that good when he was the quarterback of that team. <laughs> I say this is one thing to you around that part. Go ahead. But we can say that about all of our quarterbacks, right? Having limits of weapons. <laughs> well, but you know what? As we get into this episode, because I got a feeling that you're going to have a quarterback on your list that probably had more weapons than any of them, but we'll, we'll get into that later. Um, <laughs> but one, of, one quarterback in particular had more weapons than anybody I've ever seen him as a Bears fan. But – the last thing I'll just say on him is I just didn't think that he had a chance to develop. You look at that rookie season he had in 2005, he made plays. Uh, basically, as a Bears offense, we just ran the ball down teams' throats. And, I mean, if anybody picks up on just what I love as a Bear fan, I love the running game. And so, for me, 
I just love the way that that team played because they ran the ball and they didn't lose games. Um, I think he lost his confidence, though, when Lovey benched him in, in uh, favor of Rex because I remember that game. Yeah, that hurts. That hurt yeah. him. Man. I think it hurt him, too. That, that hurt him. Between Rex Grossman. Yep. That battle, it was devastating. I can tell that how his demeanor was changing, starting to change a little bit. But when he was on that field, he was happy. You know, he played his heart out for us. And you're right, he wasn't trying to lose games for us at all. No, not at all. So uh, the one thing with Rex, uh, like, I mean, uh, when it comes to Kyle, I thought, man, dude, Kyle would have probably gave us the better chance, but Rex was more dynamic, meaning that defenses had to respect the fact that that Rex could throw that thing, <laughs> he could throw that ball down the middle of the field and, you know, whatever. So Kyle didn't have that type of talent. Kyle was going to basically throw that slant that out. and <laughs> He was going to be pretty limited in what he was going to be able to do. But that was my my number five. What would you have for uh, number four on your list? Number four on my list, this may be a shocker to you, but not a shocker to me. I decided to go with Eric Kramer. We got him in 94. We signed him as a free agent. We signed him for a three-year, $8 million deal. He wasn't there to be signed for our quarterback of the future. He wasn't that. We kind of signed him because we needed a quarterback at the time frame. We was going through some changes. And with having him, he was a guy who had who done pretty well for Detroit. He had a shot there, so we brought him on board. And he had one of the seasons, one of the best seasons I've seen at a quarterback uh, position in quite some time. And I think one of the years he had, what, 3,838 yards and 29 TDs? Yep. Uh, I thought it was a very good year for him around that. And um, that's one of those years that stand out in Bears history, actually, when it comes down to the quarterback position. So I put him up there. He did face some injuries that hurt him, that gave him a setback, uh, where he was only play, able to play four games that next following year in 96. But before that, man, he was the only lone soldier we had. Our defense was not as great as it used to be. We were just going through a lot of changes as an organization, and he stepped in and helped us out. So he played with us about four years, lasted from 94, 98, I'm sorry, about five years, spent with the team. And I thought he was one of the ones who actually had some good numbers, offensive numbers as a quarterback with us. So I put him there in my top five based upon that. And uh, his record wasn't good with the Bears. You know that. We had some losing seasons <laughs> that time frame. But as far as him, a stretch-wise, he was actually the one only thing we had, really. And you put Curtis Conway out there at the time frame. Um, that's all we really got, really, from an offensive standpoint. Well, I don't think we had a running back at that time frame who can do some dividends for us. So we're just really just shooting it out there, just throwing it. So go ahead, give me yours. Or you any thoughts you have on Eric Kramer first? Well, first of all, I'll say this. Uh, when I look back on Eric Kramer, I look, he had some pretty decent um, uh, weapons on offense. He had Bobby Ingram, Curtis Conway, like you mentioned, and then Jeff Graham, I believe, as well. So he had some some receivers on that team. And you you did bring up a really good point. Eric Kramer put up numbers. Uh, I think that was the, uh, what was that, the 95 season when he put up yeah. all those numbers? So Absolutely. No, I, I I have no grace with Eric Kramer because actually he was my number four as well. So don't <laughs> <laughs> well, what. Give me give me some information you got on him, man. What else you got on Eric Kramer, man? Well, so, <laughs> so that, that, yeah, so that '95 season they went nine to seven. Yep. And also, you brought up his numbers that he had for that season. I think those are still actually team records when it comes to passing yards and, and touchdowns. Um, mm -hmm. I think he had what twenty nine touchdowns, thirty eight hundred yards, like you mentioned. Um. And he also only threw 10 picks in that season. So I thought that was good. And the thing that I liked about Kramer is he looked really good in offense. Um, Absolutely. Uh, but he, like you mentioned, he did get injured in that 96 season. He was never able to kind of get back on track to what he did in 95. Yeah, um, and the one thing about him too, man, that they brought up as well was around his off-season workout before he got with us and yep. how he was with Ron Turner. He was in Chicago working out, doing all those things. And then he had a great year. Yep. After that year, 
he decided to take his butt back to what California somewhere. Yeah, he did. And didn't um, do and didn't have the same type of season the next following year, even though he got hurt. But some people can look at that and say maybe that played a factor in him going back to California. Well, do you realize why he did that? So the previous year, um, he was actually losing. He had lost his job to Steve Walsh from the U. Uh, and Steve Walsh, I mean, that guy had a noodle arm. That shit was so weak. But Steve Walsh was like a really good game manager. But however, yeah. yeah. So Eric Kramer was actually competing uh, for his job at that point, and that's why he stayed in Chicago and worked his ass off. And then once he got that had that good season in '95, he kind of like uh, kicked his feet up and was just like, "Oh, I'm cool now." <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. I don't have to earn this anymore. I already earned, yeah. you know. And I think he took himself the gas a little bit. Um, shout out to Eric Kramer on that. I know he had some, uh, also some personal challenges um, throughout the years um, out in his personal life. So I hope he's doing well with uh, the attempt suicide thing that you may be aware of. Yeah. Uh, but I'm hoping he's okay, still doing well uh, from all that. Yeah, he he definitely had some tragedies in his personal life. I think with his son and even with his own battles there as well. So man, I hope he's doing well as well. Who'd you have for your, your number three? My number three is none other than the coach, Jim Harbaugh. Okay. Captain Comeback. Okay. <laughs> I got to go with Jim. Here's the thing about Jim. People wrote Jim Harbaugh off, right? He can't do this. He's come from Michigan. He can't do this. He can't do that. He can't throw. There was a lot of bad things said about Jim. So Jim knows what it means to be an underdog. Jim Harbaugh record-wise the Bears. He's with us from 87 to 93. His record with the Bears is 35 and 30 as a Bear. But when he took over as a starter, he led the Bears to 11 and 5 season. Okay? But the thing is, he got hurt. He missed the last few games, and he couldn't beat in the playoffs. He couldn't play in the playoffs because of that. But guess what? He showed us that, hey, he can handle this. He can beat the odds. <laughs> you know, um, and I was happy for him to see him become a quarterback and take all the criticism and have a good year with the Bears. 11 and 5 that season. Had he played, had he played, I don't know what the outcome would have been, but guess what? I, I don't think we probably would have lost that, um, maybe not, we probably wouldn't have lost that game had we had Jim out there. Just saying, just my two cents on that. But we did make the playoffs. He was a big part of that 11-5 season. Missed a few games, whatever. But, again, with him out there, that was a big, that was a, um, a big loss to us when we didn't have him. So I will say Jim Harbaugh was my five. Uh, Mike Dicker had some good things to say about him as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mike Dicker had his respect, so that's a good thing. Um, and when he got the Bears, he went on to the coach, right? Well, he became a pro bowler for one year. Um, yeah, that, that, that's, that's, year. Where he, that's where he came with that captain comeback, Nick, because he was leading them to all those fourth-quarter comeback wins. Right, exactly. And one thing he said to uh, – this is going to trip you out. This is why I like Jim Harbaugh. You know, in 1988, you know, our team was having other battles with quarterbacks at the position, and um, he just wanted to be a pro, man. He told Mike Dicker, hey – let me play on special teams. <laughs> wow. Time out there on the field. Let me play on special teams. He just wants to play. Coach this. this is how you went over coaching, right? This is how you went over coaching. You're going to do whatever it takes to help this team win. Yep. He's so, like, put, put, put me out there. I don't care what I'm doing. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so because you guys were downing Jim Harbaugh, you all say he wasn't going to do this. He can't do this. He can't throw. He doesn't have a strong arm. He can't be the, good, he can't be the quarterback of the Bears. I'm not sure where the Bears drafted him. Well, guess what? Jim Harbaugh beat the odds. He did. I respect he... the underdog like that who comes in and say, if you tell me I can't do this, I'll show you that I can. And Jim Harbaugh is a prime example of what that means. That's what makes him a great coach as well. He's a guy who's willing to beat the underdogs. That's true. 
Uh, the one thing you brought up a funny point about uh, Dick, because I feel like uh, Jim Harbaugh, while very solid, he had a great career with the, with the Bears. His legacy in Chicago is always going to be remembered for that sideline issue that he had with Dicka. Uh, that game where basically uh, Jim Arbaugh tried to call an audible. I don't think that the team heard it. And he threw right. that pick six and then Dicka lit him up on the sideline. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he ate him up, man. You know, Dicka don't play. Dicka don't care if he's on camera or not. He's going to eat you up, eat you alive. He did it live that play. He did. Yes, yes, sir. But I would say, man, Harbaugh, definitely solid pick, man. And like I said, he actually went on to have a really solid career, actually. And obviously, we see what he's doing. He's doing and did as a coach for the Niners and obviously now in the college ranks. But no, Harbaugh, that's that's a good one. I got no qualms with that one at all. And one thing I will say about that, that was a pass first system that Jim Harbaugh played in. So yes. You the odds in that system, in the pass first system, yep. we weren't doing a running game, think, at that time frame, at that at least at those seasons there. He just, We decided to throw the football because at that point, of course, we didn't know we didn't have all the paint and things like that. So we didn't have no. that thrown back. We had, uh, we had Neil Anderson at that point. Exactly, exactly. So we're pretty much a throw-first type of team now. Yeah. So I think he beats the odds around that. No, What's no. your number three? Mine is, boy, you're going to laugh at this one. It's it's uh, Jay, Smoking Jay Cutler. <laughs> oh, wow. You got Jay Cutler at that point? Tell at me number, more about at, that. At number three. So Remember how you brought up earlier in the conversation, you said uh, the quarterback's not having weapons. Well, when I look at a Jay Cutler, I look at the fact that he had a Brandon Marshall, uh, Alshon Jeffrey. I mean, he had a loaded, loaded team of weapons, right? At that wide receiver position, you had uh, Matt Forte on offense. I mean, that team was loaded offensively. So for me, when I look at a Jay Cutler, while I think on paper, great talent, great arm, uh, you know, had a lot of arm strength, but he just didn't get the job done. And so I always just look at his time in Chicago as just a time that just was unfulfilled potential. Uh, so I look at that. He just was very polarizing to me, and he'll always have a, a complicated Bears legacy. But well, look, look, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Let me jump in here on Jay Cutler. Yep. I know a lot of people in Chicago don't like Jay Cutler. I understand. You look at his salary. He got all the money. Right. And to me, I don't base quarterbacks solely on salary alone. Look at their play, too. But here's the deal. During those days right down to Jay Keller, we decided to go with offense versus defense. As a matter of right. fact, I have Jay Keller higher on my list. <laughs> so then what you have? We, we, so, we, 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 we couldn't tell. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to throw this out here, man. Jay Keller broke a lot of records for, for the Bears. Um, talk about completions, attempts, quarterback rating. Um, 300 passing yards, and he's also one of the guys who got the most sacks with 251 for the Bears. So, to me, um, I'm disappointed in the uh, the fact that we this offensive line didn't help him out. But give me your thoughts on that. Give me your thoughts. Yeah, so, no, you bring up a really good point because I was getting ready to just basically say, yeah, he is the all-time leader in yards and completions, passing attempts, touchdowns, the whole nine. And I even remember when Jerry Angelo pulled the trigger on that trade uh, with the Broncos to bring Cutler here because we actually traded uh, Kyle Orton to Denver uh, with those first-round picks to get uh, Jay. And so at the time when we made that trade, dude, I was happy as hell, man. I mean, I'm thinking we got a 25-year-old, what I thought at the time, a franchise quarterback coming in here. Yep. And I'm thinking, damn, with that defense that we have with Erlacher and Briggs and Alex Brown and the boys, I'm like, man, we about to be straight, right? And right. So <laughs> I think it was more of just the expectations that he came in here with were just through the roof. And I think that that's why a lot of Bears fans have the opinions that they have. But I'm going to say this. 
Jay probably is, if you look at it on paper, is probably the best quarterback that probably played in the Bears uniform. But when I look at it as far as my top or best quarterbacks, I had to knock him down a bit just because I thought the expectations that he had and what he did, they just didn't, they didn't add up. And, yeah. I, and I'll say this, my last point on Jay, because I know you probably have him on your list and you probably want to talk about him a bit. I'll just say this. I was at that NFC Championship game against the Packers, man, when he got hurt. That changed my opinion of him. I know a lot of people say, man, Jay was tough and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Bro, you were one game away from the Super Bowl. Like, figure it out. Like, we've seen quarterbacks in the past play games with partially torn ACLs. Look what Phillip Rivers did in a football game. And I just thought in that moment, I just said, Jay, that team needs you. That was a winnable game. We had to trot out Todd Collins and Caleb Haney and just who, I mean, A-Dub, you could have went out there. You know, like, it was just. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. So that's that's one of the reasons for me where, Jay, I just look at it like, come on, Jay. Like, come on, bro. One game away from the Super Bowl. (laughs) So I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I I get it. I totally get it. I'm not going to, you know, uh, push back on that part. You make some good sense around that. But you're right. We didn't expect more, and we didn't get it. Yeah, but I'm not going to be one of these guys that's going to talk about his body language and this and that because whatever, I don't care about that. I care about uh, production and, and basically wins and, and losses, right? And so when I looked at Jay, it was just pretty uneven. So Right. Yeah. Understood. Understood. Yep. What, what you got next? Oh, uh, I, I had him at my number two, so you heard me for that. <laughs> so now I'm interested in hearing your number two. <laughs> you got your number two. All right, elaborate. Tell our audience a little bit on why uh, you had him there on your list. Who Jake Keller, I'm at number two on my list. I had him at there because of those reasons. You mentioned a lot of those good things about the fact that he leads us in a lot of these statistical categories. I had okay. him there. But I also looked at the fact that a guy took a lot of sacks. Someone was on his own behalf, right? He held the ball too long. Yep. But, man, that line was really challenging him. That's one thing. And, two, our defense started to get older. And we don't look at that fact that Erlacher wasn't the same player he once was. Um, Lance Briggs talking about retirement on and off. You know, these guys are all in a – we had an older defense, and we're not shutting teams down like we, we used to defensively. So now we're really going to this focus on offense. And we turned our – we turned that into a different direction. We're saying offense is going to lead us here and defense is going to pick us up. So we went from having the best defense to now having the best offense. You know, offense better than defense at this time frame. We got the weapons, right? Forte, you got him. Jay Cutler, like you say, we have Brandon Marshall. So we kind of went into that kind of a thing. So I'm looking at the fact that with him doing that, he put up some good numbers, had some turnovers, right, like Brad Farr would do. You see Brad Farr put up a lot of great numbers, but you also see those turnovers too because he's a gunslinger. So, but we forced him to take a lot of, lot of throws that we didn't need him to do. And we put him in that situation because we didn't have no back that's really going to rush it like that. Forte got some yards, but, you know, Forte is more of a catcher, really, in a way. Uh-huh. He's more of a he was more of a finesse player. Yep. Exactly. So he was going to be a guy like Howard who's going to get the ball and just rush it for a thousand yards like that. So he had to play a finesse type style. And we put Cullen in a situation where everyone knew we were going to throw the football. So they're going to throw it. So we became a very predictable. And us being that predictable does not help Jay Cutler. And I think with that, I couldn't give him all the blame on how our seasons turned out. I had to blame Lovey, had to blame some of these other coordinators who didn't get a good, do a good scheme on how we played out there offensively. So, for me, I thought Jay Keller was a talent, a very good talent, probably one of our best talented quarterbacks we ever had in our career, in our history. And um, we didn't help this guy continue to develop because he was the same player he was 
when he was actually over there with Denver. He didn't grow or develop no. under, our, under, our, under us. So no. that is a problem for me because guess what? His prime years wasn't years where we saw him develop into a better quarterback than what he was. He was the same guy, and we didn't do enough to help him grow as a quarterback. Well, I would say one thing. He didn't benefit from having so many offensive coordinators, so I do give him that part. I mean, because you think about it, he had Mike Martz. He had mm-hmm. Ron Taylor. I mean, Ron Turner. Like, there was just so many different cooks in the kitchen. On? But the last part I'll say about Jay, only made the playoff one time in eight seasons as quarterback. It ain't not, good. No. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> not good at all. I totally get it. Not good at all. <laughs> well, man, let me hit you with my number two, man. You're gonna, you, I think you might trip out on this one. It's somebody that you mentioned earlier. Um, I went with Jim Harbaugh. That's my number two. Okay. 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 Tell yeah. me more. All right. So you know I'm a Notre Dame guy. So it's even tough for me to even give a Michigan guy props. But, man, Jim Harbaugh, that's how much respect I have for him. First round pick out of Michigan, obviously. He played with the Bears from 87 to 93. And actually, he replaced Jim McMahon after the 88 season. So he yeah, basically, yes, he had, yep. So he had to, he has, he had to follow up with the legacy of a, a Jim McMahon. So the thing that I liked about Harbaugh, though, is that he was a four year starter here in Chicago, led the team to the playoffs twice. So that's more than Jay Cutler in half the time. Um, and, <laughs> and he had a, a 33 and 25 record as QB. So that 91 season that you referenced a little earlier, was when he set a record for uh, passing attempts and completions. Um, so, obviously, he's always going to be remembered for that sideline issue that he had with uh, Mike Dicka. But I think when you look at a Jim Harbaugh, the kid was tough, right? He, you can yep. tell that he, he wanted to succeed here. He wanted to win. And those are some of the characteristics that I just will always remember about him. And then, obviously, we talked about the fact that when he went to the Colts, he had his best season as a pro in 95 because that's when he basically went to the Pro Bowl, right? And it almost seemed like that season, like, the Colts were never out of games. It didn't matter if they were down by two touchdowns in the fourth. He always seemed to some kind of way figure out how to pull that game out. So he, it was always fun to kind of watch those Colts games. But I, I just love Jim Harbaugh as a quarterback. Me too, man. I'm still a fan of Jim Harbaugh right now, man. I, I love the guy. So it's great to see him, how he transits from being a quarterback to now being a coach. And he's one of those guys that I think a lot of quarterbacks can learn from. Um, matter of fact, a lot of teams in general can, can use him as – he's an asset. So yep. um, I'm, I'm happy for Jim Harbaugh. That is true. That is true. So, man, I'm excited to hear who you have for your number one. Uh, it, it could go any kind of direction here. So, man, A-Dub, what you got? My number one, my number one, is probably going to be your number one. <laughs> <laughs> it's none other – than the Jim McMahon. The punky QB, baby. Yes, 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 sir. Yes, sir. What can I say about Jim McMahon? The one thing I'm going to point out with Jim McMahon is this year. As a Bears quarterback, this guy went 8-1 against Green Bay. Yep. You can beat Green Bay, our biggest rival. You were in good shape with me. <laughs> you were in good hands with me. He's the one guy that also won the Super Bowl for us as well. The thing about him, though, is that he has swag. You mentioned swag about on our last call, right? Yep. Our last episode we had. First yep. episode. He has swagger. He does. Yep. yep. Guy gets fiery. He gets he gets in your face. Uh, he's one of those guys that's mentally tough. He's strong. He gets out there. He loves the game. He want to play the game. Um, the thing is, the problem he had, of course, was the injuries, right? None of us like the injuries. But as far as success on that field, he helped drive us. And I think with him in the driver's seat, with a lot of things, was great. He was also a Pro Bowl quarterback in 85 at that. So he was the field pick overall draft pick in the 1982 draft. The BYU product came from BYU. 
So to uh, <laughs> see what he had with us as with the Bears, um, I got to give him a lot of props, man. I got to give Jim McMahon a lot of props. And uh, he had a lot of good games, too, man. He came in and changed some things around for us. Uh, at times, I believe it was one time frame we were down. I can't remember who that team that we were down against. It was the, it was the, Viking, the Vikings game. Yeah, and yeah. we're losing, man, big time. I'm not losing big time, but we're down that game. Like, Three touchdowns. Yeah, he came in that third quarter. Yep. He took over. I yep. was like, wow, Jim yep. McMahon is the guy that makes this team go. So, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In that lineup. So, with Jim McMahon, he had a, uh, a nice winning record, a lot of wins for the Bears, had some successful seasons with us. So, I can't say enough about Jim McMahon. I could go on all day, man. I would tell you one thing. You you actually hit it out of the park. He was also my number one as well. I'm just going to say this. The guy won Super Bowl twenty, right? So he won the big one. He brought us the championship. Now, the Bears of the mid-'80s were known for defense, right? So right. Obviously highlighted by the 85 defense. But between handing the ball off to Walter and that defense, McMahon, he had a pretty pretty easy job. But – he still didn't mess it up, man. And a lot of times, like you mentioned, he still added value to that team because he was tough. He made the plays when they had to be made. And also, he stood up to Dicker. Because right. I agree. <laughs> I agree. He wasn't afraid, man. No. He didn't well for him because he stood up too much. He stood up for, stood up for himself too much. Where they didn't well with him with Dicker, also with um, ownership. It yep. was like a lot happened when he left us. It was um, a lot. But I remember situations where Walter Payton would go on record and say – that Dickett would just call all these running plays for him. when, And then the defense that knew Walter was getting the ball, so Walter was getting beat up. And then Jim McMahon would start calling audibles and basically say, hey, you know what? Instead of running the ball on third and nine, we're going to run, uh, we gonna run a, a pass play. You know, like we're going to th- we gonna do something to kind of throw the defense off a little bit. So Jim McMahon would start to do stuff like that, and his teammates started to, like, respect and realize, like, not only is he, like, trying to look out for his players on the team, but he also probably has enough bu- enough balls to tell the coach, like, look, that's not a good play call. We 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 switching out of this. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly, man. It, it, I, I like I'll tell you right now, Jim McMahon, uh, he would actually like you say, he would push back, man. He pushed back on leadership, push back on coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had one throw out there about him though. This dude won 22 consecutive regular season games. Yep. That was that was pretty much broken by what uh, by Peyton Manning. But yeah, that guy shows you that he was a big part of what we did success-wise, right? With that strong defense, he was a big part of it. Yeah. And, I mean, you brought up the key point. He played with that swagger. I'll never forget him with his headbands, uh, the, the, the blue blocker shades. Like, yeah, he was, he was a cool guy, man. I think the, the thing that I think affected him was the injuries because he played, yeah. such a, he played such a ruthless style of play where he was like a linebacker playing in the quarterback position where he just did not take care of his body. He didn't care. He would throw his, his body in the middle of harm's way. He would do anything it took to get wins. So I think one of the reasons, and there were many why that Bears team didn't sustain success, but he had injury issues from 86 to 88. And I think a lot of times when you look at that, those injuries really kind of stood in the way of his success with the organization and the Bears winning more than one title. Right, right, right. And I think that's a good point to bring up because we went to the playoffs, I think, one year in the playoffs we lost to the 49ers, right, 23-0. Yep. That was one of those games that McMahon didn't play. Yep, he did yeah, not play. There. Fuller did, I mean, Fuller was <laughs> probably wasn't ready for that type of game there. No. <laughs> I think we, I'm not saying we're going to beat the 49ers. I'm just saying that, hey, with having McMahon there, been a lot better. Yeah. I mean, because we even saw the one year where McMahon was hurt in the playoffs and they had to trot uh, Doug Flutie's five foot four self out there on the field. <laughs> <laughs> right. Doug Flutie didn't last long with us. So, yeah. No. 
And so the last point I'll make on McMahon, and I think you might have mentioned this, the fact that his winning record. I mean, he won 46 games as a starting quarterback for the, for the Bears and only lost 15. So yep. when he was in there, they won. Yeah, exactly. We got lots of success under, his, under him. Lots of success that the Bears got under him. Yeah, McMahon is probably one of those winningest, winningest, uh, winningest, winningest uh, quarterbacks <laughs> in Bears franchise history that um, we got to say, you know what? We can say we had a strong defense. We can say a lot of things. But you know what? We had a solid quarterback, too. I'm not going to overlook McMahon. I'm not saying it was Peyton Manning or Tom Brady. What I'm saying is he helped us win. He sure did, man. So, yeah, the Bears fans and listeners and audience, Jim McMahon, our number one. Uh, we would definitely love for you guys to send us over, like, your list of uh, your top five Bears quarterbacks. You can either do it on our website or you can follow us on our socials. But we definitely would love to hear what you guys think about this. Uh, this is definitely a really fun and interesting uh, topic that we did here. But before, you know, we get out of here, A-Dub, I want to talk to you on the opposite end of the spectrum. Who do you have as the worst Quarterback in Bears history. <laughs> look, you, look, we got a lot we can choose from. I want to go this route. I'm going to pick this one right here, first of all, because this is the most recent one. I know this one you're probably aware of as well. I'm not sure you have your picks at all, but I am going to pick on Mike Glennon. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to pick on him. And here's why I'm going to pick on him. We gave this guy how much money? We oh, my God. For, for, uh, three years, 45, 45 million. million. Yep. 45 million. And guess what we got out of that? Three, we got it. four games out of it. A one and three record. <laughs> That's what we got out of my opinion. We played on three years. Of course, all the way guaranteed. I think 18 million was guaranteed. But still, 18 million guaranteed over three years. That was guaranteed. But here we go. Four games. All he lasted four games. And we had to go to Trubisky next. Yep. Not the plan at all. No. At all. No, Trubisky was supposed to have sat out that whole season. Exactly. And with Mike Glennon, um, we had to throw Trubisky out there in the fire mm-hmm. to go out there right now and learn on the job hop. And, of course, the season didn't go well. We had a bad season that year. But the <laughs> fact is, this whole Trubisky thing wasn't supposed to start that soon. No. And Mike Glennon gave us absolutely nothing. No, he, he, <laughs> so, he, was, he was trash, bro. So I got to go with him first because he got the money. <laughs> he got some of the money. And with that, we paid for something we thought we would get, but we didn't get it at all. And matter of fact, he looked at more like a third or fourth string quarterback than a number one or number two. Well, this is my thing when I look at this. You never signed a free agent player from the damn Tampa Bay Bucks. Like, what, what, <laughs> that was the first mistake. And I, and I know I, I, we once said we weren't going to do this, but Ryan Pace, what the hell, dog? What the hell? $45 million. Forty-five million for this guy. What did they see? I don't know what they saw in him at all to say, "Hey, bring him on board, let him be our starter." But he heard some of that hype. I guess he heard some of the media hype about Mike Glennon, and it didn't look like none of that hype that we got. No, no, we we just got the trash. We just got the stench of all that hype. Like that was that was terrible, bro. Exactly. I'm not gonna lie to you. You said that there's a lot of bad. And when you said that name, my just whole body just clenched up, bro. Like, that was a name that I've been trying to forget. And it's funny. He's still in the league. People still are signing this guy. He's still around. And <laughs> um, they want to continue giving him shots, let them go ahead. One thing I will say about Mike Lennon is that he's not missing a meal right now. <laughs> so I <laughs> Now nah, he getting paid. Check it to cash, baby. Check it to cash. Well, Who you got on your list, man? Who you got? 
Man, so I'm going to just hit you guys with – because you, you, you mentioned there's a lot of bad we could talk about, but I went K. McNown. Whoo, I got him on my list too, but go ahead. Yeah, man, and so I'm just going to just say pretty simple uh, with K. He came in here with a lot of hype. First-round draft pick, right? Yeah. I think they drafted him number 12. We actually in that draft traded down to get him. We had the seventh pick that year, and they could have actually drafted Champ Bailey or Dante Culpepper, or even John, Javon Curse instead, right. instead of getting Kate McNown. So Kate McNown came here. He held out for two weeks. They signed him to a $22 million contract. And the big thing that I just saw with him, he had a terrible attitude. He liked parking in handicapped parking places. I hated that about him. Um, he would always blame his receivers for his terrible throws. And he bragged to his teammates about his contract. Like you're playing on the team that has veterans that are making the minimum. You're a hot shot rookie. that just got this huge signing bonus and you are her flossing. Like you got to read the room <laughs> and kind of like as a rookie, you got to kind of be seen and not heard. And I don't think he got the memo on that. He kind of came in very cocky. Uh, and then basically when he went out there on the field, didn't have the results. He was three and 12 as a starter. And to me, I thought he was the biggest bust. Um, that we had in the draft. And we've had a lot of them. You know, we've had Kevin White and some other people, but he was terrible. I agree. And the thing is, like you said, what got me is that holdout, right? You're holding out, you got paid, and then you stink up the field. Yes. To me, that's a big problem. A big problem. And I'm not sure you remember this one play he did. I'm not sure who we were playing against on the field, but he was so emotional on the field one day, and he went to hit one of the defensive ends with his hand. I'm like, dude, you're a quarterback. Oh, <laughs> you yeah. Football, and you're about to raise your hand to hit one of those defensive guys with your hand. Yeah, with your throwing hand. <laughs> but I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah, calm <laughs> down. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So with that, he's one of those guys on my list because of those reasons, like you mentioned. And his maturity level wasn't quite there to be a quarterback and a leader of this team. No. And the Bears made a big mistake by drafting him. And that's one of those ones I like to put behind me, but it's hard to do so. Because the thing is, some of the games he played, fans out there screaming Shane Matthews. Yes, they were. <laughs> yes, they were. <laughs> you know? So um, it's like this guy here, the fans want him gone. Us watching him on television, we want him gone. Yep. And I was glad the Bears had to put a plug on him too. Yeah, I mean, I do. He had a weak arm. <laughs> weak arm. And just, I don't know, man. It was just everything about him. I mean, he, dude, he had a very punchable face. That's all I'll just say about him, man. I, I, I couldn't imagine playing with a guy like that on my team. Because I'm sure his teammates probably didn't have much respect for him either. I know the fan base, we didn't really, we didn't really rock with him like that either. Right. We didn't care too much about him. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no offense to Caveman now. We just don't miss you, man. Not so. at all. But, yeah, you know what? I heard, I've heard that he's gone on and he started a successful uh, financial consulting uh of a firm and he's making a shit ton of money so props to you but man when it came to this Bears thing good riddance absolutely <laughs> I'll throw one more out there for you though that I said on my list okay. um, of course you know we can go, go down this road all day long but one quarterback I did throw on my list because I was disappointed in the whole ordeal we even getting him and it lasted short it was short lived but I was disappointed in that quarter Stewart pickup oh god slash <laughs> Slash. <laughs> we got him, and uh, the guy what played about seven games, started seven games for us as a starter, completed 50% of his passes, seven TDs and 12 interceptions. Didn't pan out well for us at all. 
It was a waste. He was already going through drama over there with Pittsburgh because they yep. took him out the role itself. Yeah, yep. we pick him up thinking he's going to be good for us. No, no. Because the thing about it is you got to look at the way that Pittsburgh used him and, and, and the weapons that they had on offense. We didn't have that here. So, right. <laughs> so it was one of those situations where it was like when they got him, it's like, well, how are you going to use him? Right. Your career already going down, and now you just come to get buried here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that's exactly what happened. It was just a bad fit all the way around. I mean, he he didn't even look good in the in the uniform. Like, he did. Saw, yeah, when I saw him, I was like, I don't, I'm not feeling this at all. <laughs> he did not, man. He did not look good at all. And it didn't even like you said. I looked at him as a Pittsburgh Steeler. I yep. didn't look at him as a Bear. No, and us picking him up just was a waste. It's not like seeing Tom Brady go over there to what he's doing right now. To seeing Tom Brady leave and go to uh, uh, to take with Tampa Bay, it looks totally different than that. Yeah, and I knew that with him coming to us, it just didn't fit well at all. That, nah, it did not fit well at all. But man, a dub, man, this was a fun episode, brother. Man, this was really, really fun, man. We uh, we gonna get up out of here, man. Let's sign us off, brother. Thanks for listening to the Bears Essentials podcast. We appreciate the early support. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. On next week's episode, we'll break down our all-time favorite Bears. Bear Nation, come bear down with us. Peace.